0: Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to the Daily Evolver. What follows is an edited version of a fireside chat with members of the Integral Life practice community. Good to be with you today. Jeff Salzman here. Welcome to the Daily Evolver fireside chat edition. Thank you to Integral Life for inviting me to do this uh, as part of the Integral Practice group. Uh, When Namali asked me to do this, she said, you know, don't worry about doing a lot of preparation, just get on and talk to people about what's got your attention. So I'm gonna start with something that just got my attention, came in this morning's mail, and I'm gonna share the screen. And it's my new LL Bean catalog. And look at that with you? So there's on the cover, Two young men walking on the beach, one's white, one's black, so it's good racial representation. And wait, there's more, maybe. Are they holding hands? Well, it looks like it, Um, but hang on. But you can see, upon further examination, that they're not really holding hands, that this is a just a three-dimensional visual uh, kind of a uh, illusion that is, I think, by the looks of it, caused by an excruciating amount of photoshopping, or it looks like something I would do with a jar of whiteout. Anyway, it is an extraordinary effect that when you look at their faces, they're holding hands, but if you look at their hands, they're not. <laughs> So you know, well, well done, LL Bean, multicultural advertising in 2023. Oh, good. All right, okay. So I'm going to share some more of what's on my mind uh, these days, and uh, and then we'll have an opportunity for you folks to share what's on your mind, and then we'll take some questions, and we'll just see how it goes here. Okay. So what's up for me is that. I continue to just marvel in kind of a bad way <laughs> about the mainstream intelligentsia, the leading public intellectuals, which I talk about all the time, various ones, and just how much it would help them if they were able to factor cultural and consciousness evolution into their analysis. and. I'm going to share one today, at least. We'll see how much time we have. This is one of the new, most, I think, exciting public intellectuals. I discovered him in the last six months. And that's Peter Zihan. And he is the author of a book called The End of the World is Only the Beginning, Mapping the Collapse of Globalization. He's in that tier up there with Yuval Harari in the fifty hundred thousand dollars a pop speech the, that stage of um you know the the intelligentsia economy so and he's good he's a he's an integrative thinker I would say he's proto-integral I've mentioned it before he's definitely able to see systems of systems he um t- takes many threads weaves them together into a a very understandable stories very good at communicating with so the threads of econ, economics demography geography history and to a lesser degree culture and he he's kind of interesting in this way that integral happens that you know, there's a couple sort of ways that you can enter enter integral one is with the full green baptism you know you're going full on green And the other is that you're adequately green, but your center of gravity is still pretty much materialistic and mainstream and right-hand quadrant, if you will. It's like he. he, it's like he's playing a three-dimensional chessboard, but it's all material. It's not really any spirit behind it. There's no spirit of evolution, which is what I think integral brings to the party. But I am a big fan, uh, 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 and he's done. He's educated me tremendously on you know, China, India, the Russia-Ukraine war, Brazil, the drug cartels, he's very, very prolific. In fact, I was just looking at the um, YouTube for his last few, and here's his last four, and they're all in the last few days. Clean energy in Chicago, why windy suburbs matter, Another one. Will AI steal my job? Testing chat GPT. So I did last week. Uh, The water crisis in the American Southwest. And then finally, the the one that we've all been waiting for. Is it Oklahoma's time to shine? So anyway, this guy's prolific, and I think really well worth listening to. I would would recommend him. What I'm going to do is play a segment from him on a Podcast. I think it just came out this week. It's the Jordan Harbinger podcast. I'd never heard of him, but he's good too. I liked him as a host. And uh, here's a, a couple sentences from the description of the podcast. Jordan Harbinger writes, "Peter and I explore how the globalized world came to be, the factors that contribute to its instability, and what chaos will assume, and what chaos will ensue more likely when rather than if." it all comes tumbling down. Listen, learn, and enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy the story of it all tumbling down. So I'm gonna play this short clip here. uh, Let me just set it up. So this clip follows a really virtuosic, virtuoso, I guess, uh, description of the evolution of economics uh, since World War II and mostly because of World War II. And he talks about how economies before World War II were based on conquest. You went and took what you wanted, and this is colonialism and empires and so forth. Then, as he puts it, and this is a story he tells, and it's a good one, I think. After World War II, the United States had the only functional navy, and we decided, to make the world safe for free trade. So we would police and protect the oceans. And again, that that was the beginning of globalization. So a country could, if they didn't have iron ore, they could get it. If they didn't have energy, they could get it. And that kicked off this last 75 years of the modern world, essentially. And Zyad focuses a lot always, it's one of his big themes, on demographics and the threat of depopulation. And he's with Elon Musk here, it it's, it's, it's puzzles me and, and I, I wanna take it seriously and I do because I respect these guys. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he tells the story about how when people in globalization moved from subsistence farming into town to work for the system, if you will, then children become an economic liability rather than an economic asset, which I think is true. And as he puts it, the world ran out of children 30 years ago. Now we're running out of working age adults and talk about mass retirement and so forth. And so here's the clip I'll share. We got the technological explosions that we know, but these were all nothing more than a moment in time, a moment that lasted 75 years, but it's now over. And so we now have to go back to what we had before World War II, but without people.
1: That doesn't sound possible. It's not great. All right. So
0: (laughs) that's pretty extreme. We have to go back to World War II, uh, except without people. And I actually, you know, I like this guy. I'm not trying to play gotcha with him. I actually don't think he really thinks that, Uh, not literally, he's making a point. But he did say it, (laughs) and I do note that in listening to hours of him, that I've never heard him talk about the system that is yet to come, you know, that we might be going forward to a post-globalist economy, for sure, uh, but one that is more intelligent than the one we have now. Uh, Maybe we would call it trans-globalism from an integral perspective, which includes, The best of globalism and minimizes dumb globalism. So more local, less wasteful, more ecologically oriented, uh, uh, basically less wasteful, in general, less uh, materialistic in the sense that there's something that rich people know that poor people don't. And that is that it's a lot of trouble, and it doesn't make you any happier. I mean, beyond a certain baseline, it doesn't make you any happier, or at least not. not, It's not worth it. So, um, you know, I think about, do I really need a bottle of water shipped here from Fiji in plastic? Uh, I was just reading something, I forget the details, I wish I could remember, but it's basically this globalism phenomenon where for customers to buy a product that was made where they live, it has to be shipped to China and then back to them because that's just the most, right now, the most economical thing. So again, we want to tease apart this bad modernity from good modernity and move forward. And so that's bad of modernity, you know, wasteful and too materialistic and, you know, soulless in its own way. Good modernity is the What modernity is so good at is making stuff and and, and moving stuff and resilience around that, the concrete world. And there's three examples currently that I would point to that are surprising to the mainstream about the resilience of modernity. And one of them is the Russian economy post-sanctions. Now, I would and do argue that Russia is coming from a pre-modern position in terms of its foreign policy, but it does have some modern economic systems. And the sanctions, I remember predictions being that it might shrink their economy by 10, 12%. And I hoped it would, actually. Uh, But according to the World Bank, as of a year into the sanctions and and the um, Well, it's it's a World Bank that was the IMF too. the Russian GDP dropped by between two and four percent. So, you know, not as bad, you know, people, people adjust. Russia adjusts. Now, going forward, still lots of predictions about how it's going to hurt in the tech sector and there and this and that. I don't know. know. We don't know. But so far, not so bad. Also, another example would be the predictions about Western Europe and the winter and the cutoff of oil and gas from Russia. And that was far less onerous than expected. Uh, So much so that Germany saw their way to closing the last two of their nuclear power plants last Saturday. So they certainly show a confidence going forward. And then the third and and probably the the, the most alarming was the idea of famine. And yet the, the, the grains have kept shipping. Uh, there was an article I just read in Associated Press about the uh, an agreement a month ago on March 18th uh, that was an extension of, as they put it, an unprecedented wartime deal that allows grain to flow from Ukraine to countries in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. And they extended it a month ago for another, Russia says 60 days, Ukraine says 120 days. There's all kinds of controversies about it, about insurance, about uh, inspecting the ships for arms and uh, sanctioning Russian fertilizer. There's no end to chaos around these agreements, but they have happened to the point where food prices have fallen for the last 11 straight months. In Africa. They note that they were high anyway because of droughts. There's a there's a political f- famine in Somalia, but the famine predicted from the war hasn't happened. Uh, in, in fact, prices or food prices are down. So and this actually reveals another great feature of modernity, and that is that uh soft power matters, reputation matters. Nobody wants to be seen as responsible for causing a famine. Russia cares how the world sees it, particularly the third world. Uh, They're holding themselves up. This is part of Putin's whole ideology around this war as an alternative to what he calls Western hegemony or the, the unipolar world of American led West and that he wants a multipolar world. I suppose we will all have to live with some version of a world where there's a pole of i wouldn't say western from an integral perspective it's the modern pole you know the expansion of nato was to countries who were begging to get in <laughs> you know this was not an expansionist regime here and as countries move into modernity they're going to trade with each other they're going to want to preserve that world and yet there's still going to be pre modernity and and center of gravity like the difference between Russian economics, in many ways, and Russian politics—one tends more modern, one tends more towards um, pre-modern—and we're just gonna we're gonna have to navigate those waters. And Integral helps us enormously using stage theory to understand how countries naturally evolve and how that, that can be helped. But you know, this idea of invading pre-modern countries to make them modern ended with Iraq. So, um, you know, that I think will continue. And this, again, this is where integral is so helpful because there will be a next economy and it will, uh, you know, it it will include, hopefully, the wealth creation of modernity. It'll be more egalitarian. It'll be more green. It'll include more people into the circle of humane um, raising the baseline. Of a decent life, so um, you know I, I think even of the um, the the demographic collapse that Peter Zihan and Elon Musk and many others fear and talk about. There, I, I don't doubt that there will be destructive aspects of this, um, uh-huh. and that the current system will be. Or, or let me let me put it this way that the economic and cultural system that our grandchildren will live in will be as different as the system we're in is from our grandparents' system, culture and economics. So, you know, let's just pause there for a second. What would that look like, you know? And um, I have some ideas, and I'm curious about your ideas as well. Uh, But what I notice, and this is my critique, of a lot of my heroes, Pinker and Jonathan Haidt and Schmeichtenberger and Verveke and, and Peter Zian and um you know others, the the columnists left and right that I read, that it's like they're dealing with a, a steady system, that that there is some sort of an assumption that this modern global liberal system is the end of history. And um and, and what Integral says is, no, it's an evolving system. And actually, if if we're right about it, it's going to evolve into a more communal, egalitarian system. And there's a lot of upside to that. You know, it, the analogy, and this is another thing I love about Integral, is that we can see the uh, growth of culture sort of in the growth of an individual human being or a, a child. And... It's like if you're seeing the steady state, it's like you're the parent of a four year old and you see it that your job as a parent is to make the best four year old you can. If it takes years, <laughs> you know, what their interests are and in their food, what they can do, what the exercise, you know, you want the best four year old possible. But, you know, it's like Schmachtenberger says, it's a self-terminating system. It's gotta go be, it's gotta be five, it's gotta be six, it's gotta be seven, you know. And uh if we factor growth in, it's just another ball game. So that's 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 kind of my critique of a lot of these heroes of mine. So anyway, I I wanted to throw that out and I wanted to I wanted to look at an example of you know, which what comes to mind? I'm excited about the next world even the, the you know the the medium future here and i think of you know this stir feet of old people you know too many old people and i i think about it's it's something i talk about with my friends and, and i'm kind of blue skying it here but i think that one of the solutions to the problem from the aging population is that aging people learn how to help each other you know whether it's with cooperative housing or some sort of cooperative care that's plugged into a larger system. I, I talk about this with my friends and it's like the dream come true to them. And I think people are doing it. A move in Colorado led by my old buddy, Jared Polis, governor uh, of Colorado, who if you're looking for another democratic candidate, may I say, consider Jared Polis. But it's, it's a radical rezoning And I don't know all the details. And I think at this point, there's just staking out negotiating positions. But I I think about just a, a change that's happened in me. As I walk around my neighborhood in Boulder, and I see all these beautiful homes, big homes, and there's nobody in them. There's not nobody in them. There's an old person in them. There's some younger people here and there. But the street life is very quiet. Um, if these homes, and many of them are three, four, five thousand 5,000 square foot and bigger, could be divided into apartments, what you can't do now, or duplexes and made more affordable, and that there were younger people who were able to move in, that there could be cooperatives that were, you know, there's a best practice around that. That's actually happening. That um, that would be a good thing. And so it's just, you know, it's a different, would be a different world, but it's, uh, you know, it's worth thinking about that rather than just charting the collapse of globalism as it is today. Yes, that's going to happen, but uh, there's a new world coming. I'm all for it in principle, (laughs) but as an introverted Enneagram 5, I must say, it's rather horrifying too. And um, and, and and this is where I think this is what we're playing with here as we move into integral is that if we you know, we talk about each stage sort of moves from ejectic that is individually oriented to communal. all right so modernity is individual oriented and green is more communal and the previous stage to modernity or, or traditionalism is more communal. So traditionalism is really the last, experience of communal living that we have as a sort of a historic memory. And it's very oppressive. I mean, talk about people having claims on each other and the conformity and the no escape. Uh, That's the part, it's the integral we're gonna have to integrate the communal and the agentic in a way where there's a trapdoor or a escape hatch for people like me. (laughs) <laughs> uh, whenever I would want it. So I don't know. I'm just, like I said, I'm just blue skying it here. But I think this is worth thinking about. And um, and so, yeah. So uh, I've been uh, uh, blabbing for a half hour here. Why don't we uh, think about it? Why don't uh, every, uh, everybody get together and share a little bit about what's on your mind? That's what's on mine. And we're going to do small groups of four. And... Uh, and the instruction is: comment on what I just said if it sparked anything, uh, or just what's on your mind. What's caught your attention? This is you're you're with an integral group here. You're with some people who get where you're coming from. That's really precious. I remember when we would have these live events that there was an X factor that would arise when you're with a group of integral people. And so you know, go for that. Well, welcome back. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm curious. There's some interesting comments um, in the chat section. So, yeah, if you have any uh, comments or questions, put them in the chat or raise your hand. All right, Mark. Hey, man. I was yes, right. ideal market the other day. That's right. <laughs> so, so I think that it's a plausibly deniable couple that somebody That's- somebody was clever enough to say a homophobic person can be told they're not a couple. Yes. And it reminds me, of, and this is true, in the early days of Subaru, they were trying to market their cars to lesbians because they knew that, le- and so there was ads that showed that the front license plate on the Subaru said Xena on it, as in Xena, the warrior prince, and, and that was deliberate. Yes, smart. Yeah. yeah, no, I could, I could see the ambivalence in you know somebody saw it and said, wait a second, let's get the white out. <laughs> <laughs> Plausible de- deniability is is it? But again, you know, welcome to evolution and the mess of it all. Yeah, it's a great way to move things forward without yes. causing too much trouble. Exactly. Yeah. Except
2: for Budweiser.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, they kind of overshot the mark. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows what happened with no. Budweiser. What did they no. do? Do, do?
0: So Budweiser, the, the
2: yeah, yeah. So Budweiser used a, a popular trans person um, in one of their sort of advertising campaigns. So this trans woman was drinking Budweiser, and that led to even really popular people, popular musicians in the far right world to dump you know they started making record uh, videotapes of themselves dumping their budweiser into the sinks and like no longer buying boycotting uh kid rock who is a very famous far right musician uh sh- took his uh gun out and he shot a whole bunch of uh budweiser cans and so apparently the trans uh, using this trans woman um has called
0: Dylan yeah. Mulvaney uh, is the trans woman. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, So, so in that case, it's like marketing to who? Uh, marketing to the future was a mistake apparently uh, for Budweiser because they basically ignored their current customer, who is the trucker. And um, I don't know. Yeah. So no.
0: that's interesting. No. no, it's it's definitely a developmental worlds collide. Because Bud, it's a, this is Bud Light, and it's very much a traditional brand, you know. Uh, and so, but Dylan Mulvaney is very much a postmodern and really pushing the edge of there. Uh, so, uh, and, and this woman uh, who is the marketing executive, a lot of this is, I see it happening on Twitter and just the back and forth of it all. And I have to say, we get more intelligent as we have these um, arguments, like, I think, as a culture. Uh, it's not pretty. But I do think it's beautiful. And she came in and she said that she had been tasked with, you know, that this Bud Light brand was d- diminishing and they needed a new attitude and they wanted to get rid of the bro culture. So, of course, that set everybody off because there are people who like the bro culture. They identify with the bro culture. And um, again, welcome to the, uh, I think, fruitful if as long as nobody's hurt too badly, fruitful mess. All right, Nina. You,
3: oh, I just wanted to point out that the, 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 the comical cancel culture, right? It's all the greens and the liberals are the cancel culture, but who is the first people to get their guns out and start shooting things when they don't agree with it? I think that's hilarious.
0: Yeah, no, I know. No, the, I, I'm an uh, inveterate both sizest. I mean, I just can't decide who's worse or better. You know, uh, they, they they all uh, live up to their ex- expectations to me. And uh, th- that's what one of the, I think, great things about Integral is that I, I always like this image that um, Rand Stegen, uh came up with, that it's like we're, it, you know, th- there's such a thing as altitude. And we don't want to be arrogant, but they, we don't want to be coy either. And so from an integral perspective, we're looking out over the landscape and we can see these three particularly these three tribes, traditional modernism, postmodernists and we can see them all doing their thing and how they're all at war with each other but they can't help but get in each other's hair and um and and, and what I love about that is that there's something that where you're um in the world but not of it and, uh, and so there, there, you have a sort of an observer uh, position that um, allows you to participate in all tribes and be friendly to all tribes and appreciate all tribes and, you know, to as best you can control their worst impulses or, you know, influence them as best you can. You know, it's like raising a kid, you know, influence as best you can. So anyway, yeah, that's how I see it. All right, Eric. How, what, what's up?
1: Yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to weave a few things together. So, where you started, uh, Jeff, around you know the public into intellectuals who you know they're very sophisticated in their thinking, and you know there's this perception that ah, oh, geez, but they just had this one piece. You know, boy, it might open up so much possibility. And if I tie that to the examples of the commercials, like the Bud Light and so forth, I'm wondering, what is Integral's marketing failure? If we have a way of looking at the world that has more power, how come it's not catching on? And what happens if we ask that question not from the lens of what's wrong with them that they're not getting us, but what's wrong with our messaging that... Somehow it's not finding places to land. What kind of shadows might be their allergies to modernity as a lot of, you know, people with maybe more green sensitivities in integral circles yet. And I'm just curious how we understand that and how to be more effectively advocating for what we imagine ourselves to have as, you know, a more effective lens for looking at the world.
0: Wow, yeah, thanks, Eric. And, uh, and any ideas on answers I would be happy to entertain. I mean, I know what's wrong with them, and I would reiterate that if I. Like. <laughs> uh, they if, if, particularly if we're talking about modern thinkers, there's a spirit of evolution that is too woo-woo. you know the idea that this whole system is alive, that it has an intention, that it's going somewhere, that it's something there's a there's a non-material reality. That is behind the big bang, you know, or not non-material intention. So that's problematic. And the other one is that there's, you know, there's a developmental hierarchy. We would call it a holarchy. It's like, you know, a sapling, a seedling, a, you know, a, a oak. You know, there's a natural hierarchy of growth. But, um, you know, Green wants to. It just has an allergy to hierarchies, and we see this. I mean, if you try to trot out a developmental perspective on Twitter, beware, be ready, because you're gonna get blowback, back. And, and that's fair enough. I mean, that's welcome to the system. In terms of uh, what we're doing, again, I would entertain any ideas, uh, but I would say that um, there's, um, w- what I'm trying to do is to make integral, use integral to explain current events and use current events to explain integral so that we, you know, have some, you know, there's some feeling of having a, this is alive and happening right now. I wouldn't overestimate our marketing failure either. I would say that integral has caught on, um, whether or not people are self-aware is a question, you know, if they have read a Ken Wilber book or Steve McIntosh book or whatever, um, or ever heard of any, uh, any of us. Uh, but the, there's a de facto integral that's arising where people are looking to harmonize perspectives. I think that both are growing, so I wouldn't overestimate that. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the last thing I would that just comes to mind is something that Ken Wilber said that always stuck with me, and that is that people thought modern thoughts for 300 years before the French Revolution that there's something to be said for just thinking integral thoughts in the meantime, having integral conversations, doing these Zooms, creating grooves in the cosmos that are integral. That's the nature of the cutting edge. And then beyond that, I don't know, because I'm, <laughs> I can't believe it either. I, you know Why don't these people get it? So I'm open to ideas. Yeah. So thanks, Eric. Let's move on to Tamar.
4: Okay, so I was in Martin Group and I thought he's going to summarize if he, he spoke for most of the time what he said because I could concur. I mean, he has experience with Turkey. I'm I'm I was born in Israel and I don't know how much to follow the news, but he mentioned, look at demographic. Um look ambas, at look. demographics, oh, okay. Amber's people rate of birth is much higher than us. Uh, and you see it in Israel and that's one of the not only, but that's one of the causes of what's happening. He said it in Turkey, we see it in immigration. So in terms of population, uh, even even if we have, are going to have a little bit uh, loyal population which is good for the earth, I mean, our percent is going down. Yeah. The other thing that you said, I, I I'm trying to emphasize with these people, who are, are there. And when I came to the States in 70-something, everybody took pride of the fact that in, in United States, blue collar is middle class. They have good salaries, they have benefits, they can live the American dream, they are middle class. That's no longer the truth. I mean, and there was a belief that you know every generation will be better. And we are talking materially. American was at least then, at the now, very materialistic place. And to my surprise, I came from another world. Let's change for the worse. So, and this disappearing. And if I were there, I would have been scared. Because these are very traditional people and their world is appended. Everything that they believe uh, you, for them gay. And, and transgender and all this is, a, is a boring I mean, they, I mean, and everything, and the world is unsafe, and they are not sure about their job and about the future. And I see actually where everything, everybody see progress, I see polarization. Yeah. I mean, whoever made it uh, over green, uh, over uh, orange, a green, a good green, I mean, not, not the extreme, but what you call mean green, the, the good green and then up, well, they are going to, to be there. They, you know, I don't think they are going back. Yeah. But, but, well,
0: I'm, I'm going to stop but
4: two, the people Laura. But the people, what? I,
0: I just said, could you come to a, a question or a point?
4: Um, I think we have to address the fears. I mean, first, yeah. I mean, because these people, I mean, we have to understand where they are coming from and not trying to preach them because these people are really scared. I mean, their belief system, yeah. I mean, what we believe is it's, is antagonistic to what they believe, that it's based on no. strict, they are more religious, it's based on scriptures, it's based on whatever, what yeah. they believe normal society has to, to look like.
0: Yeah. No. Well, so we let, me just, let me just stop you there, uh, and, um, and just make a couple comments, if I may. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah, that's a gnarly, Israel is a gnarly, gnarly problem. Uh, and... Um, you know uh with a tr- with the arabs being center of gravity traditional and some earlier and also there's a traditional and earlier strata in israel of you know the far zionist settlers and um and then there's the modern uh this is a religious this is ultra religious these are the poles. exactly. So you have ultra religious traditionalists don't like other religions you know that's obvious. So, so I don't the, the, the problem Israel to the to, to the degree that Israel can solve this problem, it'll be cutting a groove in the cosmos for the world at large, because at least half of the people on the planet, and maybe more. Ken Wilbert said three-quarters of the people are traditional or earlier. Really? And that is just a fact, that's a brute fact. Right. Uh that uh we have to acknowledge and live with and 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 again it's not going to be pretty and we see it here and we see it everywhere israel is a crucible for this so god bless israel and i'm going to move on tomorrow thank you very much okay we're going to move then to karen boris hi karen
5: Hi there. Well, OK, I'm going to attempt to build a bridge from what Tamar and Martin were talking about to Eric Troth's question. I will try to do this lucidly and briefly, um, starting with uh, the hard reality. Yes, Amber worldwide is probably the plurality, maybe the majority. They, it Certainly in places like Israel and here in the United States, they are in extreme distress. That's why they're doing things like choosing Donald Trump as their champion for heaven's sake, who is a living contradiction of what they believe. They are in extreme distress. Everything they know to be good and true and beautiful is being destroyed before their eyes. My great hope for integral, because I think we, we are growing into the future. We sense it, we feel that we're moving toward it. Integral has the potential, the potential, to see these people, like Ginny Whitelaw said at, at the, the What Now conference in Boulder five years ago when she said, how do you deal, I forget how she framed it, how do you how do you deal with somebody at a different level when there's a great problem? She said so beautifully, you meet them where they are and you fall in love with them. And then I fell in love with Ginny Whitelaw. Uh, but, the, but we have as a group and as individuals the potential to reach out from this place of concern and compassion and draw a larger circle that includes everybody. Can we make this potential an actual? I sure hope so. And I think we are going to. If we do not do this in the next decade, we will do this in the next century because speaking as a cultural historian who likes really big pictures, the universe has a 13.82 billion year track record of evolving the next system of complexity. We are in one of these crisis points now in human society where old systems are, current systems are breaking down under the impact of the next new emergent system that is in the process of emerging but hasn't yet. What most of us see is what's breaking down. Very few of us see what is already emerging. And yeah. this is the group, we have the collective vision of what is emerging and we are helping midwife it. And yes, let's do this in a way. Now we've done this six times before in human history. I have this all on a spreadsheet. If anybody really wants to look at it, I dare you to ask me about it. Um, and we've, we've done this six times in human history. We can do it a seventh. We've seen this movie before. Yeah. We know how the it ended six times before. It's gonna end up in the next new emergent order, which will be integral. By golly, that's my statement.
0: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll die in that hill with you, Karen. You know that's that's right. And and just to get back to what you said at, at, at the beginning, uh, where you fall in love with every you fall in love with people. You look them in the eye and you see that they're coming. they very few people are really coming from a uh, intentionally bad space, and and then you you not only accept and tolerate, you appreciate. You know what do they bring into the party? that fringe what's traditional have that modernity doesn't it has an enchanted world for one thing you know it has a world that has meaning meaning and Uh, it is the core of moral fiber for everyone everywhere yes yes so modernity wants to and needs to really ring that out because of course that's infested with all sorts of horrors and oppression but you know, it, we can't just leave it behind. It's, it's a little bit like as we grow individually, we become more playful if we're lucky. I remember Chogum Trump was saying you can he's the guy who started all the Buddhist stuff in Boulder here from Tibet. And he said, you can always tell the most enlightened ones because they're playful. And I love that, you know So that that moving forward means rehabilitating, bringing forward. What we left behind. Uh, so anyway, thank you. Karen. And if I could just really quickly tie back
5: to what Eric said is, it don't don't worry that we haven't succeeded already. Edison, Thomas Edison said, "I know ten thousand ways a light bulb does not work. We're going to keep trying ten thousand ways that <laughs> integral doesn't work, but we will find the way that it works." Well, that's
0: right. Like Mark Twain said, "I could quitting smoking is easy. I've done it twenty times."
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, yes. Thank you, Karen. All right, Uh, we have just a couple minutes left. And so, Nina, do you want to close it up for us? Uh, You need to unmute.
3: Yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that to Eric um, NLP has this thing where you, uh, when you market, you try to market to the people that are both the visual and the auditory, or that are, um, you know, like you try to hit all of them. So, as we market, we need to put something that's appealing to each of the levels in the mark in, in the message. And and that, and that goes to the whole the like the individual, right? You want to fall in love with somebody, it helps to meet them individually. I've never met an individual I couldn't love, but as a group, oh man, it's hard. It's really hard to love a group. But man, an individual, my neighbor needs help. They could be the they could be the 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 Trumpiest Trump in the world, but if my neighbor needs help, I'm going to go out there and help them, oh. and I'm going to love them because right they're an individual. And then um, on oh. the other thing was oh yeah, Ireland, I you know Northern and Ireland and they found peace. South Africa, they found peace. It it's possible. And I have every bit of hope for Israel to at some point that it's possible because I've seen it in other places. And um, we need to be that peace that we see.
0: Yeah. And it can happen. um, It can happen really fast. Uh, uh, If you think of where Germany and Japan were in 1945, (laughs) actually, versus where they were in 1950. 1955, 60. They're, you know, and now they're, they're, you know, in many ways leading the world in terms of cultural evolution. 70 years ago, wasn't that long ago? So things can happen very fast. Uh, often it takes, you know, some sort of big disruption to blow up the current system. That's been human history so far. Uh, I'm hoping and betting that the move into the future stages. Uh, will be you know it'll be war on a subtle level or a, a you know a cognitive level rather than a brute physical level because we'll have to fight our way forward in, in terms of ideologies but um that you know it's part of what's new in the world is that there's several stages online at the same time right now that's new in history too and so, Maybe we can be doing creation and destruction in smaller pieces than these big, you know, cataclysmic world wars uh, to move forward. I think that's actually happening. And I think that's how it will happen. And will we have skirmishes and, you know, this Ukraine thing is, uh, you know, in some ways the exception that proves the rule. Uh, But what an exception. Uh, So, you know, on we go. all right i think we're pretty much to the end of our time together and and thank you all for being with me today and and um thank you yeah and so we'll be back um this is the second wednesday of the month and how many wednesdays do we have this month so do we have so no i'll be back on may 3rd two weeks from today and i appreciate you and we'll see you then thanks folks